This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. As you may have heard on my newscast this morning, the Court of Arbitration for Sport has upheld a decision to ban Russian track and field athletes from the Rio Olympic Games this summer. 68 athletes appealed a decision by the International Association of Athletics Federations to suspend the athletes on doping charges. And this Sunday, the International Olympic Committee will rule on whether to suspend the entire Russian contingent. Founder of the World Anti-Doping Association Canada's Dick Pound joins us on the line now to discuss. Dick Pound, first of all, your reaction to this latest development. Well, I think it was the expected outcome. It would have been uh, astonishing if the uh, Court of Arbitration for Sport had, had reached any other conclusion. And uh, uh, I, I don't know what the uh, the uh, Russian athletes and others who took part in the appeal thought was going to be the outcome of it, but uh, clearly they were unsuccessful, as they should have been. Now, the IOC has said it will announce its decision regarding Russia on July 24th, this coming Sunday, uh, a couple of weeks before the Rio Games. I know for you it's clear-cut that the the decision is obvious. Will the obvious decision be made? I certainly hope so. Uh, I think the risks for the IOC and the Olympic movement and the Olympic Games are are just enormous if they get this wrong. And so, with that in mind, is what would be holding the members of the IOC back from making a decision which certainly athletes around the world would want to see them make? That is something that has not been clear. I, I would have thought, you know, when you get a a recommendation from the organization you you set up in the in the beginning to monitor compliance with anti-doping regulations throughout the world that's the world anti-doping agency gives you a unanimous recommendation based upon uh, the report that uh, that I did and then the one that uh, professor mclaren did saying on the basis of this there is endemic systematic government run cheating uh, in sport uh, and therefore they shouldn't be uh, in Rio, uh, I would have sunk to my knees and said, thank you. <laughs> that takes an albatross from around my neck. Of course we agree with that recommendation, uh, and, and it fits in with, with our ethical principles and so forth. Let's just make sure there's not a legal impediment uh, in there. And I'm, I'm a lawyer, so I'd say, yes, by all means, you don't want to step on a landmine that you don't expect. But... Uh, now you've got a decision from the Court of Arbitration for Sport that says a ban of this nature is is uh, perfectly feasible and, and within the rights of the uh, organization to uh, to render. Um, there's nothing to stand in the way, and, and I, I hope that uh, instead of appearing indecisive and unwilling to to tackle Russia head-on, uh, that the IOC now can say, okay, we we we've satisfied ourselves that there's no legal impediment, we are withdrawing the invitation. 
to the Russian National Olympic Committee. How far back, or maybe we should start with uh, the state program that was designed to make sure that Russian athletes had an advantage. Tell us about that, because I know you know very well what was going on. Well, the, the most recent iteration of that, uh, I think, and according to Professor McLaren, arose from the, the, the poor results that uh, Russia had during uh, the games in Vancouver. And as the next hosts, they were determined to, you know, get more medals and, and make this a sporting success for Russia as well. And, and they, frankly, didn't care how much uh, they had to do to get it. So the, the deal was uh, that, that Russian athletes, when tested, would there be a, a screening of, of all tests performed in Russia and anything that looked like it might be a positive test calling for disqualification and, and suspension uh, would be sent to the deputy minister of sport who would look at the uh, the names of, of the athletes involved and, and mark each one with save or um, uh, I forget the other word they used but the save meant the result was to be altered so that it came back as a negative result and so the computer uh, records were adjusted, and these things uh, were were reported as negative tests, even if they were positive. And so that was that worked in in the, in the preparation. It worked in in competitions that were uh, in Russia, such as the uh, the World Championships and so forth. Then, but for Sochi, uh, the problem was a little more complicated because in the lab. Uh, during the games are all sorts of uh, experts and observers from different countries and different laboratories. So you couldn't fudge the uh, computer programs. So what they what they did was they had this famous mouse hole where, where from the secure area into the to an insecure area. They'd pass out the containers uh, of, of the Russian athletes. Uh, they would be taken away. Uh, opened in in a way that they'd figured out how to open these bottles and, and put them back uh, without tampering being evident, and they would pour out the tainted urine and pour in clean urine that had been stockpiled uh, prior to the games. You know, the athletes would provide the samples in uh, times when they were not not on any uh, drug program and substitute that. So the the result was there was not a single positive Russian sample during the Sochi games. Now, uh, uh, the fallout from this could be the entire Russian team being banned from the Rio Olympics, but what, is, what are the further implications of this in sports? What does it mean to the Olympics? Well, I think it's, it, it's a, it would be a good statement uh, in, in respect to the Olympics. And, it, you know, we have, we have our own experience with it with Ben Johnson. And, and the the Olympic message is no matter who you are, no matter how important the sport or how important the event, the, the, you know, the men's 100 meters, the fastest human being on the planet, if you cheat in the Olympics, you're out. And so you, if you extrapolate that to where we are today, you say no matter how important your country may be, if you cheat, you're not welcome. And what happens to Russia and its athletes uh, going forward, whether they are banned or or partially banned for this coming Olympics? Well, I think then then there's there's now an onus upon them to demonstrate that their system has changed, 
and and that the uh, institutional doping that has been uh, going on probably since the the days of the Soviet Union, but as I say, the more recent iteration was in the last uh, three or four years, uh, and say that we have changed. Uh, the the old coaches are gone. The, uh, uh, the the doctors and officials who were uh, tampering with the results or providing doping substances are gone. Uh, there's an independence uh, attaching to the laboratory. It's not just going to be uh, a, a government uh, uh, office that uh, must respond to. Uh, uh, you know, a request from the deputy minister to have a list of all of the possible positive tests, uh, and and that it is a standalone uh, operation that complies with the World Anti-Doping Code, and that's a, that's not going to be easy. And what about the rest of the nations competing at the Olympics? What is in place as a fail-safe guarantee that athletes competing in Rio this year are not taking any form of performance-enhancing drugs? Well, in, in many countries, and, and uh, I'd like to think in most, there's, there is a fairly uh, rigorous national uh, anti-doping program. We have in Canada the Canadian Centre for Ethics in Sport, which, which makes sure that Canadian athletes are tested, and, and if they're found positive, they are uh, sanctioned. Uh, so I think a, a majority of the countries around the world are like that. There are some where there's, there is deep suspicion. Uh, that there may be systems like uh, that in Russia, and you have to deal with those one at a time. Certainly, uh, a, a disqualification of Russia would be a, a very powerful deterrent message for uh, for them. You know, if if we were talking about Denmark or Sierra Leone here, there there would have there would have been a decision made already. Mm-hmm. It's only because it's Russia, so. If you do this to Russia, they're going to say, wow, (laughs) if they'll do it to Russia, they would certainly do it to us. So let's get our system cleaned up if it needs to be cleaned up before we're investigated. Doping scandal aside and the Russian situation aside, what are these Olympics in Rio going to look like uh, with the, all the concerns around the Zika virus? Is it, and there's been very little buzz about the Olympics, the upcoming Olympics. Is it, is it going to be kind of, one of the more quiet Olympic games that we've had in history. I, being being in Brazil, I doubted very much. I mean, they've had uh, some very serious problems. You know, when we gave them the games back in 2009, uh, they were on a trajectory that was going to have Brazilian economy as the fifth most uh, powerful in the world, and somewhere in the middle of that, it uh, you know the second stage rocket uh, failed, and there so that they're in a a deep economic crisis and a deep political crisis, uh, and that's that has been uh, the news. But I, th- I think you know, the moment the person with the Greek flag steps on the track and the games begin, uh, there'll be a there'll be a, a major sea change, and it, it should be fun. It should be like a you know the carnival. Well, certainly our Canadian pride uh, swells as the games get underway. And as you say, as soon as, um, as, soon as the flame is lit, uh, trackside, we all get very excited here and start counting medals. <laughs> well, I, think, I, I hope we have lots to count. <laughs> I hope so, too. <laughs> Dick Pound, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Shane. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.